have to go back! Welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky S. Anderson. And I'm Grayson Douglas Howe. Guitar riff. (laughs) And today we are reviewing the 1989 most bodacious movie, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I admire use of bodacious. They use it in the film, but I feel like the slang they use in this movie is such a specific time period. It's hard for me to fake because I... I it's like either go too early or too recent. Like totes is too recent. Like that's not what this is. But also like bees knees. That's (laughs) I missed it by a mile. Yeah. Yeah, like the the amount of syllables and the words that they were saying. Uh, I, I was just in awe of. I, I, I took notes, uh, added a lot of words to my hopefully everyday most awesome vocabulary. Yeah, I feel like we need a Tedsaurus to really get through this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, we're reviewing this movie because the trailer dropped. Uh, for Bill and Ted Face the Music. So before it's even out, we're taking a look back at this movie. But before we do any of that, let's go back to where it all began. Like all great movies, an improv class. So yeah. the characters of Bill and Ted uh, came out in 1983 where UCLA classmates Ed Solomon and Chris uh, Matheson formed a student improv workshop with a few of their uh, classmates. Quote, one day, we decided to do a couple of guys who knew nothing about history talking about history, Solomon recalled uh, in a 1991 interview. And then the initial improv was them studying history while Ted's father kept coming up to ask them to turn their music down. Uh, Solomon played Ted and Matheson played Bill. And they decided to turn it into an actual movie script. They actually wrote it by hand. Uh, you can actually see wow. in... Uh, the box set, Bill and Ted's most excellent collection, uh, features some of the handwritten notes of the script that's like wrote, written on a legal pad. Wow, that's going to be in the Smithsonian someday. I am convinced. Right? The last handwritten screenplay. They didn't have to. It, it, like, they they wrote it after uh, a couple of meetings at a local coffee shop uh, in 1984, and then uh, they shopped around the movie and. Uh, it it wasn't um understood by a lot of people uh and director Stephen Herrick called the screenplay incredibly laugh out loud but recognized that because of some of the off-center humor uh and specific language the film was either quote going to be a huge hit or a huge flop uh and so shopping the movie around to distributors was difficult and uh and Warner Brothers wanted to produce it within a $10 million budget, uh, but couldn't figure out how to fund it. Uh, and it ended up getting picked up uh, by the De Laurentiis Entertainment Group, which you might not be familiar with. Because after production, after the movie was like filmed, uh, the production company went under. And so it kind of sat on a shelf for a while until Orion picked it up. Uh, in 1988, oh. and then they had to redub everything with 1988 instead of 1987 when it was finally in production, and then we got 
the movie that we are all familiar with, but not quite in the same way. Uh, in the original script, the time machine was a 1969 Chevy van. Um, and then mm. someone's like, wait a second. I feel like Universal's gonna gonna sue somebody about so right on the heels. Yeah. yeah. But they cared mm-hmm. not about uh Doctor Who with using a, a phone box. They're like, ah, it's- that's like so far away. Have you been to <laughs> London? You gotta be on an airplane for like 12 Police hours. Police box, phone box, two different things. Uh and originally the vision for Bill and Ted were quote, 14-year-old skinny guys with low rider bell bottoms and heavy metal t-shirts who were despised by popular kids. But after the casting of uh, Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter, they were like, oh, I mean, these guys look pretty cool. So let's let's kind of uh, make them more so aloof. And so with all that, uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure on a budget of $10 million went on to gross a most egregious amount of money $40 $40 million domestically wow. and uh, several million more worldwide. And they picked up some award nominations along the way. They got nominated for a Saturn Award from the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films uh, for Best Science Fiction Film and also Best Costumes. Yeah. Um, and then for Fantasporto, which is an international fantasy film award, they got nominated for best film, like straight wow. up best film for that award uh, ceremony. So uh, it, it had a cult following from the beginning, and that's just built and Ted. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, this movie became a franchise. Now, now this doesn't happen with a lot of movies, mind you, like – uh, especially with movie, movies that do really well, they might get a sequel, uh, but it doesn't hit franchise territory, which if you aren't unfamiliar, a franchise is any piece of media that extends outside of its own medium. So, for example, Men in Black is a franchise because not only is it a movie series, but it also has become a video game, a roller coaster and a comic book an animated mm. series. Basically, if you have a pinball machine based after your intellectual property, yep. you're doing pretty well. You're doing pretty well. And same happened with Bill and Ted. So in addition to the sequel, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey uh, in 1991, uh, the Bill and Ted franchise includes uh, a 90s Bill and Ted Excellent Adventure animated series where mm. Reeves, Winter, and Carlin provided the voices that cartoon only lasted for one season. And then in 1992, they revived it. Same name. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures, but this time live action. Uh, with none of the original cast. Um, <laughs> it then turned into its own breakfast cereal. Uh, Bill oh. and Ted's Excellent Cereal, which if you can get into the cereal market, like, oh, my gosh, that's what that's what this whole podcast is really about. In case you've yeah, been that's, one, we, that's pinball money. We, that's great. <laughs> we're just trying to get a breakfast cereal made after us. Uh, and then Marvel Comics launched Bill and Ted's Excellent Comic Book. I mean, mm-hmm. and 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 not to be outdone. Yeah, there's also. A Bill and Ted's excellent video game adventure. And I'm just going to read this sentence. And I just want I just want you to drink it all in. Mm, mm. The phone booth time machine was given away as a contest prize by Nintendo Power magazine, which was promoting the video game Bill and Ted's excellent video game adventure. And the lucky winner 
was one Kenneth Grayson. <gasps> That's exciting. Uh, for me, because his last <laughs> name is my first name. So we're like brothers. Um, that's how names work. Ricky, I would be remiss oh, in yeah. my duties. Remiss mm. in my duties as a co-host if I did not follow up your comment on us wanting to really get into the breakfast cereal market mm-hmm. by just saying the phrase, flashback flakes. <gasps> well, the end. That's it. Duties fulfilled. Oh, ho, ho. Well, I think we all know the phrase that needs to follow that. Circle with the sea. Circle C. with the sea. Circle with the sea. Flashback flakes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, th- this movie uh, just became a, a cultural phenomenon. It went to, on to inspire um, not only other like-minded movies like Biodome, which is not a rejected Bill and Ted 3 script, but it just went to inspire that kind of uh, genre because it was some art that was imitating life and a lot of people just really resonated with this movie um mm-hmm. i mean what other movie do you know that says the word dude 70 times an excellent 30 times i mean my guess would be wayne's world you know what because I-, I was getting some serious wayne's world vibes from the garage well that's what's interesting is yeah this was before wayne's world yeah um at least the film and so it i i got a lot of that there's a lot of back to the future in it as well it felt like a movie that was an amalgamation of a lot of other great movies yep. that i enjoy but it's like nestled in the middle of that timeline so it's kind of like all right, which one was first? Does it really matter or do I just enjoy all these? Because, I mean, I was going beat for beat through that, uh, the first couple scenes where it was like, okay, so they start out uh, in a garage overloading the amp with their guitars. They're late for school, (laughs) humiliated by a school employee and introduced to a time machine that's in a surprising form and just eventually get to the Old West. I was like... I've seen this and I love it and I'm here for it because it's basically Wayne's world mixed with Back to the Future. And wow. I was like, I have zero complaints right now. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. When I first watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, it was years after it had actually permeated pop culture. So when I finally watched it, I'm like, oh, I've seen these guys or this, this archetype be parodied or represented in other forms of media, but like finally looking at like you know bill and ted prime i was like oh my gosh i get it and i Mm. also get like how these two characters just meant so much to so many people i remember my first acknowledgement of bill and ted as their individual characters was in the new grounds uh flash animated song the ultimate showdown of ultimate destiny, which is oh, just yeah. a bunch of pop culture heroes like fighting each other to like a, a battle to the death. Uh, and then at like this kind of uh, bridge moment, uh, they say, and get off the gray and get off the white and Monty Python and the Holy Grail's Black Knight and the Mina Mussolini and the Blue Genie and Cowboy Curtis and John B. And Genie, uh, Robocop, Terminator, Captain Kirk, Car- Darth Vader. Lopan, Superman, every single Power Ranger, Bill, S. Preston, and Theodore Logan, uh, Spock, the Rock, Doc, Ock, and Hulk Hogan. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Bill S. Preston, Theodore Logan. Like, that's where I actually heard their first full names. Yeah, listeners need to know you were not reading just now. I saw your eyes fluttering everywhere. And this is what I love about Ricky is that 
you know, some people know like the full rap of one thing and they're like really good at that one thing. Ricky knows all of them. Um, and yet somehow still has to look up the intro to headcanon every week. (laughs) I don't get that. It's like, it's just a capacity thing. It's filled with all of these useless, uh, poems if you will um, and as someone like i cannot memorize lyrics for anything and you just have this encyclopedic knowledge of really fast lyrics that just that blows my mind that's why this works because thank you uh your strengths are my weaknesses and my weaknesses are my weaknesses and i get yeah, it yeah, yeah it yeah. doesn't work the other way it's just I'm weak, you're strong. Uh, no, uh, I and it's it's uh, it's really cool. Like th- this was just really fun to rewatch, and and I had seen it not too long ago. Like like maybe five years ago was the first time that I ever watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh, really? Uh, huh. And it was weird because I'm like, I have we reviewed this, and it's just anytime I watch a retro movie that is not for this podcast, I feel like I am drifting into some weird timeline. I'm just like, this doesn't feel <laughs> right. I feel like like yeah. there's a glitch in the matrix. Something's not right. I get that feeling whenever we watch a movie that's like late 80s, early 90s that we haven't reviewed. And in the back of my head, I'm thinking, well, I'm just going to have to watch this again someday. <laughs> oh, great. This is just for nothing. <laughs> Why even bother? Oh, because I love movies. That's right. Yeah, there now I remember. Uh, so when was the first time you actually watched Bill and Ted? So the first time I watched this movie was I think in college. Um, I think it was uh, before we were roommates. I just, it was one of those things where I was like, oh, Bill and Ted, that seems like something in the zeitgeist I should know. And I just watched it. I think I like ordered a disc from Netflix to watch it. Nice. Um, so that really locks it into a specific period <laughs> of time. But I remember as a kid, and this is why I get the, the first movie and the second movie mixed up, not just because the names seem somewhat interchangeable, Um, with Excellent Adventure and Bogus Journey. But I remember going next door to my my older cool friend neighbor's house, Tony Rezka, and his brother Jeff was watching Bogus Journey. And I remember uh, it was a scene with the the Grim Reaper death character and all that, uh, played by Wild Bill Overbeck from uh, Rocket Man, and just thinking, well, this is too scary for me, a four-year-old. And uh, maybe I was five. Maybe I was six. But I seven? felt like I might have been seven, uh, but definitely no more than seven. Um, I was 15 years old. <laughs> no, I, I, I remember being like really scared by the images. And so I think that was why I didn't. I always associated Bill and Ted as being a scary movie ah, uh, until I realized yeah. like, oh, straight up buddy comedy. And so I think that's why I didn't see it sooner. But yeah, I saw Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure in college. And it is one of those where you need to see it in the time, uh, like really understand when it was released, because it's been a long time since I've seen it. I haven't rewatched it a ton. There are certain things, we'll just say, do not play the same way today as they did back then. Certain, there's no other word for it, slurs that are used where you're like, no, uh, we don't really do that anymore. Um, but the the big thing that where I was like, well, that would never make it off the page was when Billy the Kid shoots a gun in the school auditorium. And I was like, 
you have no idea how poorly that's going to age. Uh, and, uh, and no one fl- is like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, yeah. ah, broken glass. It's like that was the, the biggest concern. Yeah. So there are things like that where you watch it and you're like, oh, you just you just don't know. Uh, you don't you don't know what's coming. Uh, yeah. And that doesn't age as well. But the characters, I'd say, the characters themselves are in more ways than one timeless and i love just watching these two interact with each other because the mutual affection that they have is contagious like everyone in the history tour group is uh kind of affected by the positivity of bill and ted and i really did appreciate that like how much socrates appreciates or socrates appreciates like the world around him and billy the kid just jumps right in and and the way that they represent that uh i think was just it's fun to watch and it's like yeah the what if of this movie is so clear of what if historical figures you know, we're in today's world and the way they play with that of like Beethoven doing a keyboard exhibition and Joan of Arc can't help but lead as she leads an aerobics group. And it's like, okay, the what if, of course, Sigmund Freud is going to order a corn dog. And so that kind of thing, there's so many subtleties that I appreciated where you can tell like they are also fans of history. Like when they capture Beethoven, he keeps playing even though everyone around him is freaking out about the time machine coming in because he he doesn't hear it. Um, and when he's in the, the keyboard wow. store, he has to feel the speakers on the bottom to feel the vibration of the rhythm section. Yeah, really and then he's st- like, Oh, really subtle movie. stuff like this. Yeah. It was just the really great details here that I definitely did not pick up on when I first watched it. But yeah, it, it was just a lot of fun. Cause it is, if Wayne's world was an educational historical program to a certain degree, and that's just a fun concept. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, and Joan of Arc uh, has also been on this podcast before. Uh, mm. Very briefly, uh, Jane Wedlin, uh, who was the seeking telegram girl in Clue. Oh, so I guess you could say she really had a Joan of character arc. <laughs> I told you I was going to cram it in this episode you somewhere. You did. <laughs> yep. And you did it. Okay. Grayson. Yes. So I was going to do like a really excellent uh, headcanon lead in, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I don't know what it's going to be. But what I'm going to do is we're going to use time travel and I'm going to remember to say something to lead into headcanon. Yeah, you got to write yourself the most excellent intro right. when we're done recording so that you have it now. You're right. Okay. For the recording. All right. We'll see if it's here. If it, if it, if it shows up, then time travel exists and we have... We have a lot to do. <laughs> hey, you know, one of the things uh, that I really liked in the movie was when uh, Napoleon went to the water park. Uh, and He got mm. to go down the water slide. But you know what was missing from it? What? He didn't even try to do a head cannon. Head cannon. Cannonball. Head cannonball. There it is. Yeah. Head Cannon is a part of the show where we share a few unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by... The most bodacious film. So um, here's my piece of headcanon, and I can't take credit for it because I saw it on the internet. It was a mimi, a mimi, a mimi, a mimi. Uh, a mimi. 
what if Bill and Ted just came out today and we're living 25 years in the future? Oh, great Scott. I'm sorry, that's a different movie. Honestly, my biggest piece of headcanon is just that. Uh, so at one point in time, uh, Ted's dad is saying, I'm sending you to military school. My headcanon is the timeline in which he does get sent to military school. John Wick, that's uh, oh, just went for the... Picks up all those skills. Yeah. yeah. And he, he learns that it, it's, it's that, uh, that Alaskan military school that is just very, uh, very intense. But yeah. really great to animals. That's good. That's important. Yeah, yeah. My headcanon is very similar when they do the when they start to explore the loop aspect of time travel, where they can think to remind themselves to do something, and it appears like the the tape recording and they're sneaking around the sheriff's I love office. That so much. Like, like that. what a great concept. Yeah, like yeah, time travel. Like you don't have to be at the end of every timeline. You could be in the middle of it. Yeah. Um, but when he's sneaking through the office, I was like, wait a minute, I've seen Mr. Keanu Reeves do this before where he's following instructions from an unseen force. So my headcanon is that Bill and Ted's excellent adventure is actually him tapping into the matrix early, um, to where it's not just that they're traveling through time. All those cables and stuff is them going through the code. They're bending the code to wow. go to a different file in the matrix that has been saved over by time, uh, which explains why in the matrix they get out of the matrix with hardline phones. They got a landline. They got a landline. Cell phones don't work. You need a landline. Wow. That is the most outstanding headcanon, Grayson, I've ever heard. <laughs> Thank you. My mini headcanon was that the cavemen they encounter are actually their ancestors. Got nothing to back it up, but I think that would be a fun a fun little uh, doodad. It would be. Mm-hmm. It would be. All right, now we're going to go to the part of the show where we like to talk about recasts and remakes. Recast. Remake. If this movie were to be made today, who would you cast? What would the storyline be? I honestly, like, it, it. if they did do it today, I would still want it to be set in the 80s. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like um, Stranger Things. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and, and because of that, I would probably get, uh, I mean, Keanu can reprise his role because he looks no different than he did. Vampire blood. And then playing opposite of uh, Keanu, it's uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um you know what just get the whole cast of the matrix and then uh, make matrix four. Ah, ah, ah. and i think that that would be good uh no but seriously i i really think that um i i would love to see this movie with um i mean ah i i would love to see it as a series because i watched a little bit of the tv series and it was just uh every episode was just rufus coming back in time and saying Hey, you guys got to fix this thing. Otherwise, you're not going to make the world better. Uh, Like one episode, I want to say this is the pilot was that they they had to get a new amp uh, so that they can play at their prom and time travel needed to be involved for them to be able to do that. It's just this time traveling, solving everything. Uh, So all that being said is I would love to see um, this movie done with uh, some Doctor Who alumni. 
and so I, I mean, Karen Gillan, I, I, I think that she would be really great as Bill. Uh, and then I, you know what? Why not? Her and Matt Smith. I'm so sorry, Grayson. What am I doing? Mm. We get Billy Piper to play Bill. Oh, of course. Uh, <laughs> and then we get. Uh, oh, actually, you know, Matt Smith. Still, I just think that that pairing. We haven't seen that uh, Doctor pairing yet. Hmm. And honestly, Andy Circus just play everyone. Just have a blast. This mocap all suit. the historical figures. Yeah, he just yeah. plays all mocap suit uh, historical figures. No, that would be a lot of fun for for Bill and Ted. I had Donald Glover and Danny Pudi. Oh my I gosh! Just think it's the reunion. Jealous. The world demands of that um, recap. And then for George Carlin's Rufus, he's basically, you know, structurally speaking, an Obi-Wan Kenobi. So just get Ewan McGregor. Well done. Yes. But doing the Obi-Wan Kenobi voice. Yeah. Hello there. They'll get better. That's good. But yeah, for the story, I tried to force fit something where Keanu Reeves was uh, trying to keep a car above 88 miles per hour. <laughs> but I think what we really need... Is a prequel story that's like when Bill met Ted. Yeah. Um, kind of like uh, Dumb and Dumber, or, or I forget. The sequels got really messy on yes. that. But yeah, like a prequel kind of deal. Or to make it more historical, the whole thing is done as a Shakespearean stage play. Bill plus Ted, colon, two gents of San Dimas. And I think audiences would show up for it. Uh, I would. That is amazing. That would be so great. It was well, be- like how you got me the the Shakespeare versions of yes! Mean Girls and Back to the Future. Just Bill and Ted. It's the next progression. Yes. Oh, most outstanding uh, recast we make, Grayson. And I really think they could carry on as a series. Like I know it, you know, did that both animated and uh, live action. But I, I think if they did it animated, um, and I honestly think that if they did it animated. But with like stop motion, that would be a ton of fun, especially if they like found a uh, a, a fun style to kind of I, could, I think like Paranorman style would be super oh, fun. Yeah. And I can imagine like each place that they go to that it has its own texture and style and unique kind of vision, almost like um, uh, what they did with uh, Spider-Verse. Like mm-hmm. every each Spider-Man kind of has its own like artistic style and it's different than what world that they're in i think that that would be really fun or if they do the claymation or even simulated claymation you could have the kind of detail where the further back in time they go the more the thumbprints and fingerprints show up on it (laughs) to show that we become more hands-off as a society like in history they work with their hand yeah there's all kinds of levels just call us we'll talk you through it yeah we'll write Uh, it down on paper it'll be great (laughs) All right, now we're going to go to our final segment where we like to give you our reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? I recommend Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure because the comedic attention to detail is so strong. Like I talked about the Beethoven stuff, but like really every character does it to a certain degree. Like when they're at the bowling alley and Napoleon falls down and he, he hurts his hand and he stands up. He puts his hand in the vest, just like the classic Napoleon, uh, Napoleon painting. 
And it's like those little moments where they become like the versions that we know of them shine through in a modern context, I think uh, is really well done. The optimism and energy of Bill and Ted is just infectious. It's contagious. You, you want to be their friend and you want them to succeed. Um, but really from a writing perspective, they do an excellent job at setting up clear cut objectives like creating a triumphant video for the band or passing this history report is the big one. And you understand why you understand how each objective is connected to the next, because the consequences of failing are so clear. Like if you flunk out of school, you're going to go to military school, which will separate you from your friend. And the two of you won't be able to make music and will cause the downfall of society. Like without having to hit it too hard, they lay out all those pieces so that we know the stakes of them succeeding. Um, and you're along for the ride. They, once you buy into that, you can do anything along the way as long as you're working towards that ultimate goal. Um, so I just really appreciate that. I think it's very fun. The energy, the optimism, the excitement of Bill and Ted make this something where you want to just go on an excellent journey with them. Absolutely. Righteous reasons, Grayson, to recommend. There are several reasons why I really would recommend this movie. One, uh, I completely forgot this, but there is a website called BillandTed.org. Um, they just want to get the information out there. Um, they tell you how to speak like Bill and Ted. There's so Ooh. many pages on this website and it, it, you can tell it has been up since web websites have been allowed to be up. <laughs> and it is a most excellent experience. So I recommend it for that. Um, well, speaking of speaking patterns, I do appreciate that this is one of the rare time travel movies where they just acknowledge, hey, not everyone everywhere has spoken English throughout all of time. Um, and we're going to work around that instead of making a, a, a what have you to fix it. Like, um, it just is what it is. Absolutely. Like th that that kind of adds to what I why I recommend this movie is this is such a unique time travel movie that both takes itself seriously enough um, to like use it as a plot device, but also doesn't take itself so seriously as to try to over explain things like um, just different people speaking different languages and still interacting with them and still communicating with them and having them understand without having them have to translate anything is such a great like i think if this movie were to made be made today it, i don't think it would do it uh they would try to create a you know the tardis translator thingy um which works for them right. but for this it's just not necessary exactly and or even just with um <laughs> They didn't worry about getting them back. They didn't worry about not affecting the like they just had fun with it. And mm -hmm. the movie is a lot of fun. And I think the fun is all uh from the heart of these characters. They they were able to do something that I think is difficult in a lot of um buddy movies, uh, which is they created conflict without creating arguments between the two friends. Like at no yeah. time was their friendship ever at stake. Uh, yeah, there's movie. never a like white thing. Just go get out of here right. moment or they don't fight over the princesses or anything like that. Like they genuinely like each other because if they're OK with being separate, their entire premise for wanting to succeed fails. They have to stay together. Exactly. And uh, and, and I think that that is um, 
just really a testament to the creation of this movie. They did not seek out to make a franchise out of this film. Uh, in fact, there are several studios who are like, uh, I mean, do people even talk like this? So I, I appreciate this movie for its ability to take risks and to uh, deliver on the premise and then be rewarded for it with uh, breakfast cereals, video <laughs> games and more movies are even coming out today. Uh, so I, I recommend it for that because uh, it, it's always inspiring to watch a movie that is so ambitious and fun and keeps you entertained the whole time. And that is our unrivaled review of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Let us know what you remember about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure on our social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are at Flashback Flicks. And it would mean so much to us. It would mean a, a phone box just filled with beloved historical figures. Um, some beloved, some, you know. Feared. Feared. Uh, Thank you. There yeah. it goes. Uh, a phone booth filled with beloved and feared historical figures. Uh, so uh, on a scale of one to five, excellence. Okay. Oh, so okay. is it excellent? Is it most excellent? Is it uh, most, most excellent? Or is it most, most, most excellent? Or supreme, most, most excellent. There it goes. Yeah. Or if that's too much, you can also do on a scale of one to five wild stallions. Because one wild stallion, that's just a lost horse. Five wild stallions, you got some horsepower going. Hey. We're going places in time and space. I like it. Very excellent. Guitar riff. <laughs> And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be excellent to each other. Party on, dude. Next time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Well, we never thought it'd get here, but the first days of summer are upon us. And Ricky, I think we should start counting now with 500 days of summer. 500, 489, 498, 497, 497. Oh, it's going to be a long summer. 195.